Sports fanatics, we are Luca Vitalik, Ryan Walterman, and Ben Schmidt. Let us introduce you to a weekly favorite sports podcast on KCOU 88.1 FM. On Around the Wave, several guests and us provide you the most thorough Mizzou sports coverage. Also, NFL, NBA, MLB, and NHL coverage where we debate. Healy's hero right here is Jordan Bennington, and he's kind of just been the story all year. But uh, in the last couple of games, besides the Coyotes game and the Avalanche game, He's, he's looked like his 2019 form, I would say. First of all, you are misinforming the American public. That's number one. Number two, everything you just said is absolutely blasphemous. Okay? Everything you just said. Jordan Bennington's looking like his old self. Provide legendary list. Number five on my list, the Los Angeles Chargers. Why? They snatched its long-term solution on the O-line and Rashawn Slater. He's offering, he's going to offer reliable protection for Justin Herbert, which we saw he was a star last season. And give bold predictions. If I'm being honest, even with all the new talent that the New York Giants added on offense, I still think they fail with Daniel Jones at the helm, and he's reduced nothing more than a backup within the next few years. So join us every Friday morning at 10 o'clock Central Time on KCOU 88.1 FM. We hope to see you there. Uh, Happy Friday, everyone, and welcome back to Around the Waves on KCOU 88.1 FM Columbia. I'm your host, Luca Vitale, and alongside me is my co-host, Ryan Walterman. Ryan, how are we doing this fine Friday? I'm doing lovely, man. It's going to be a great show today. All right. Cole Tusing will join us via the call on this fine Friday morning. Before we get rolling, first things first is some news on Mizzou sports. Mizzou football will return home to Farrell Field tomorrow to host the Southeast Missouri State Redhawks at 11 a.m. Central Time. The Missouri Tigers enter this contest with a 500 record after losing a close one last weekend against Kentucky. While Simo entering this one is winless, they were embarrassed by Sam Houston last weekend with a score of 52 to 14. Mizzou soccer opened up SEC play last night, but ultimately fell to the South Carolina Gamecocks in a close one, dropping their overall record to 4-4. Four four. The Tigers look to get back on track, currently on a two-game losing streak when they battle Alabama on the road next Thursday at 7 o'clock p.m. Central Time. All right, Ryan. You know what time it is. It's time to get to some Mizzou football. All right. So the Tigers and the Red Hawks, they have played each other just four times with the Tigers on top during each matchup. The first time these two teams went head-to-head was in 1936, and the most recent time they played each other was in 2019, where the Tigers won, I'm not kidding, 50 to nothing. Okay, so what should we know about this game? What should our audience know about SEMO Mizzou? So for SEMO, it's kind of odd. They don't seem to have, like, I guess they do have a number one quarterback, which is C.J. Agbana, but in the last two games, they've, They've played about three or four different quarterbacks, but C.J. Agbana has been the quarterback that had the most snaps. So I'm assuming that it's going to be him. But again, Mizzou can't take this team lightly. I know that uh, we say that every game for Mizzou. But they have a running back named Geno Hess, who right now has 146 yards and averages almost 40 yards per game so he's not he's not bad and if they get that running game going Simo could have a chance to put some uh 
scores on put some touchdowns um, in the game. But no, I'm not going to say that it's going to be close because I honestly don't think it's going to be close. Like you said, in 2019, we blew the Mizzou Tigers blew them out 50 to nothing. When I say be optimistic, I just mean that I don't think Simo is going to cover the spread. Uh, I but I do think. I, th- I really liked what a Coach Drinkwood said when he said that he's not going to just let anyone play this game considering it's Simo. He's still going to have his 11 best players on the field. So, you know, it's, I think it's going to be a really good game for the defense to um, tighten up and get better. I think that you were, we, we were seeing a glimpse of them getting better in the Kentucky game, preferably when uh, Kentucky was like first and goal or whatever it was, and then the Mizzou defense caused them to fumble it on the goal line. That was a huge play where Mizzou could have potentially been down 28-7. to Instead, I'm pretty sure they were down by like a touchdown at halftime against the Kentucky Wildcats. Whereas Southeast Missouri State has gotten blown out in both of their games against uh, Southern Illinois and then Sam Houston. So I think Southeast Missouri State is going to come into this game thinking that, hey, we're probably going to get blown out just because we got blown out by two not necessarily good teams, but obviously in their confidence. Uh, but like I said, Missouri can't take this te- take this team lightly. They have a good running back. Uh, their quarterback's not bad at all. Uh, but it'll be exciting to see what the Missouri Tigers will do. Uh, I'm excited to see that, you know, if Mizzou's up by, like, say, three touchdowns at halftime, is Basilek still going to come in the second half and play? Hey, man, I'm going to the game tomorrow, so I'm going to expect the unexpected, and I'm just going to sit there and enjoy the game. Well, if this is supposed to go the way history is dictated, uh, Brady Cook will be in the second half. <laughs> um, but nevertheless, um, Simo has played two games against the ranked FS, uh, the FCS foes that you just mentioned. Both of them were ranked. Simo has let up 47 points in the first game and 52 in the second game. So if you ask me, uh, they don't play any defense, okay? Which is probably true. Now. Missouri has a similar issue. They also don't play defense. Steve Wilksney, he did take accountability this past Tuesday during his press conference uh, media session. We need to understand something that they actually looked worse this year than last year so far. They gave up over 400 yards of scrimmage. So when we talk about Mizzou when they're, with their defense with Steve Wilkes, they have got to think of something else because the secondary is susceptible. I understand it's very young. I understand Martez Manuel is basically the only upperclassman in the secondary. But when we talk about the secondary, they have got to stop getting burned by coverages because we saw last weekend the Robinson guy in Kentucky. He burned them a couple of times, and we understand that he's a big guy and he's over and he's overmatching the Mizzou's defenders. We understand that. However, particularly this weekend, I'm going to be quite frank with you, okay? Mizzou could play a D-plus game on defense, and they're still going to win this football game, okay? SEMO, in the first three matches since 2008, Mizzou has actually outscored the Red Hawks by a total of 136-6 margin. So, that just tells you something about offense and something about defense. Now, Steve Wilkes, I'm not expecting him to shut out SEMO, and I'm not expecting him to give up 50 points. What I'm expecting him to do is Mizzou should be letting up no more than 20 points, let's say, okay? Now, I said this about Central Michigan University because they're not in the SEC foe. You do not underestimate an underdog. We saw that against Central Michigan. That was too close for anyone's comfort if you're a Mizzou fan, okay? We understand that Mizzou, they are known for these weird, strange losses, which will come next weekend against Boston College, but we'll do that next weekend. We'll do this next week. Um, We talked about the first week how they had that awful, and I mean awful, season-opening loss in 2019 against uh, Wyoming. That was brutal, okay? But you can end up, I think the other one was Vanderbilt, if you can correct me if I'm wrong. But when you're talking about a team that has been blown out their first two games, that does not play defense, that has a relatively average offense and running game, you may be able to get away with some things. The run defense for Mizzou is is god-awful, too. Chris Rodriguez last weekend averaged seven yards a carry. There is something wrong with that. And also, third down, yet again. When you have a third and long, the offense has a third and long, the defense should be stopping them, and they should be punting the ball away or a field goal, whatever the case might be. They should not be getting a first down if it's third and 12, okay? Uh, Connor Bazelak, I talked about, he's going to be done but before even the first half ends, probably, if this goes according to plan. He's going to throw for multiple touchdowns in the first half. Uh, Tyler Beatty, he actually may get a break in this game because he has been historically good. I got to admit, Larry Roundtree, he was something different last year. Tyler Beatty, he's picking up the slack, and he's doing right, right in the running game. 
So, Connor Bazelak, I will say this. He played very well last weekend. He played very well against the Kentucky defense that is stout, that is experienced, that is talented. And let's just say that one interception, it did not rattle him, but he threw four touchdowns. He looked great. And a lot of those drops were not his fault, and I'm talking about Kiki Chisholm. Mizzou should have won that game. They really should have, especially that drop pass in the end zone by Kiki Chisholm. That was a perfectly thrown pass. And I'm not sure why he dove for that pass because uh, he had plenty of time to get there. So that is not on Basilek. That is on Chisholm. So if I am Eli Drinkwitz this weekend, yeah, you, I guess you could play Ch- uh, Chisholm if this is going to go according to plan. Um, but how about, how about you give Tusky Dove a little bit more uh, looks? Or Mookie Cooper, get him a little bit more action in the game because he's supposed to be that number one wide receiver that Mizzou's supposed to have. I didn't see him a lot last weekend. So that's something to be looking at. Um, but let's just say Connor Bazelak has done a great job opening this season so far. He has been able to find his receivers as present. He has been able to find even the young guys like Dominic Lovett. He has been able to find them. And his accuracy is just so great. In his ability to process information when the offensive line breaks down and pressure's coming in. He does a great job of escaping pressure. I gotta admit, last year, I gotta admit, I don't think I remember that as much, but he has done a great job. So I'm gonna give props for props for due. But like I said, uh, for score predictions, Ryan, what do you got? You know, I'm gonna go I know nineteen we scored fifty. I'm gonna say we put up fifty again, but I am gonna say that Southeast Missouri State's going to put up 14. I'm going to go 50 to 14, Tigers. For a minute, if you said 40, I'm like, there's an <laughs> issue if Simo gets 40. Yeah, there's a huge issue if that it's happens. It's a big issue considering Kentucky got 35. Um, you know, I'm going to say, I don't mean to be disrespectful, but this is going to be a blowout, okay? It's going to be 58-10, Mizzou. This is going to be embarrassing, but... That's that's here or there. We'll see what happens tomorrow at 11 a.m. after, probably like 2, o- two o'clock. We'll see. Um, but we're going to head to break, and when we get back from break, up next, Thursday Night Football. What went with the Washington football team and the New York Giants? We'll be right back with you on KCOU 88.1 FM. The shocking statistics are that one in five people in Boone County lives in poverty. Even worse, approximately 250 Columbia children are homeless. The Heart of Missouri United Way fights for solutions to improve lives by supporting 33 local organizations that strengthen the health, education, basic needs, and financial stability of our community. Join the fight today and live united by making your gift at uwheartmo.org donate. Our children are literally eating themselves to death. Many experts predict that this may be the first generation of children that doesn't live as long as their parents because of the problem of obesity. A quarter of American children don't exercise regularly. The average school-age child watches four to six hours of TV every day, bombarded by commercials for fast food and junk. How you make these kinds of lifestyle changes in your kids is to make them yourself. Make the effort. Fight childhood obesity. Giants 
Welcome back to Around the Waves on KCOU 88.1 FM. The student voice of your Missouri Tigers. The Washington football team avoided an 0-2 start to the season last night as quarterback Taylor Heineke fueled a comeback win over the New York Giants. He led a two-minute drive capped by Dustin Hopkins' 43-yard field goal at the buzzer for a 30-29 victory. Hopkins had initially missed from 48 yards, but New York was penalized for being offside. Ryan, I'm going to start with you here. What did you learn from this thriller of a Thursday night football game contest last night? Who would have thought an NFL East game would be so exciting, man? That that was quite something. And especially if you, even if you didn't watch the game, all you had to do was watch the fourth quarter because that's where all the magic happened. First off, let me just talk about the kicking in this game. Mm-hmm. Gano went five for five, while Hopkins went three for three. That's actually pretty cool to see. You know, when you're watching a game, to see all the kickers make the field goals. Except Hopkins, wait a minute, he missed one, but it didn't matter because the Giants decided to jump off uh, offside, <laughs> or fa- false start rather, and Hopkins makes the game winner. But yeah, man, it. It, that game was special. I think Danny Dimes, man, Daniel Jones looked so good. I feel so bad for him for losing that game. How about 95 yards for Daniel Jones? Mm-hmm. He didn't throw a single interception. But, man, the guy that I'm going to at this game is Darius Slayton. He beats his man. He cooks his man, okay? Yeah. And then drops the ball in the I end know. zone. But now when I watch the replay... It's, it's tough because I think to me, obviously, and I think to a lot of football fans, that's a ball you got to catch. It did look a little overthrown, but I think you got to catch that. Even if you have to lay out, there's literally no one there. So I don't know if it's just the magic of the Washington fans' presence being there that made them drop that ball and then made the uh, <laughs> d- made the Giants' defense false start on that. But, yeah. yeah, man, what a game. I think Tyler Heineke, you know, he didn't look bad, and obviously he threw that one interception very late in the game. But, I mean, I don't know. You talk about wizardry in this game. I don't know how Washington pulls off this win. But, yeah, it's, it's unfortunate for Giants fans, man. I don't know what you have to say, but I feel really bad for Daniel Jones. Can we talk about how good he looked? Yeah, He's really. in year three, okay? And let's just talk about how bad the Giants' offensive line is. It didn't look bad last night because the Washington defense looked like trash, okay? I'll talk about that in a little bit. But Danny Dimes, let's just admit, he didn't face any pressure. And he looked like a superstar out there finding Darius Slayton. He found Sterling Shepard. He found Kenny Galladay. We could talk all about that. But I'm going to give it to my good old friend, Mizzou alum, Cole Tusing. Cole, can you hear me? I can hear you. All great. All right. What did you learn last night from that Thursday night football contest between the football team and the Giants? Well, first of all, I thought it was very interesting seeing the Washington football team, especially Chase Young, put on an absolute show and showed why the Washington football team is a top three defense in the league. But since we're talking about the Giants, I want to continue that trend. Mm -hmm. I feel bad for Saquon Barkley. He is a top five running back talent-wise, but... He has to go up against the worst offensive line possibly in the NFL so that, you know, handles with his injuries. And, you know, let's just talk about Daniel Jones as well. Yes, Daniel Jones, it is not his fault that he lost. But he is now 0-7 in primetime games. (laughs) If you remember, he was the sixth overall pick in the 2018 draft. And I know a ton of Giants fans – did not like when Daniel Jones was taken. They wanted guys like Josh Allen, the edge rusher from Kentucky. Yeah, we can just, yeah, definitely. But I will admit something. I will admit something. I was impressed by Taylor Heineke last night. He looked great, okay? we. I thought maybe his performance against the uh, Tampa Bay Buccaneers in that playoff game last year was maybe like a fluke or something, but man, did he look good last night. We Now I understand he looked awful those first couple of drives that he performed, and I understand that. But I think the biggest story of this game is not Daniel Jones. In fact, it's the Washington football's defense, and I'm going to say why. It continues to continue 
continue, continue, continue to struggle with big plays allowed. The courtesy of undisciplined play, and that was displayed last night with Chase Young. The defensive end himself, he looked like garbage, okay? He was invisible last night. The only person on that defense who has played consistent this season so far is Jonathan Allen. That is it. Montez Sweat, yeah, he's there. You got John Bostic in the secondary. We understand that. But at the end of the day, Defensive coordinator Jack Del Rio is responsible for this unit. The defense, it was overhyped going into this season. Right now, it is actually, in my opinion, the most disappointing unit in the NFL because you got Jonathan Allen, you got Montez Sweat, you got Chase Young, you got John Bostic, you got you got Fuller in the secondary. But when we talk about their presence on defense, it did not make a lot of it did not produce a lot of pressure on Daniel Jones last night because he was finding wide-open receivers, especially that one play that Saquon Barkley had on, on the in the running game. He found at least 20 yards of separation. And, Ryan, that play with Sterling, I think it was Darius Slayton, I believe, right? Yeah, yeah, Darius Slayton. That was ridiculous. He had 20 yards of separation from that guy in the secondary. I forgot his name, but that was ridiculous, okay? And let it be Daniel Jones having success on zone read keepers. He ran one for 46 yards. That would have been a 40, uh, not a 48, a 58-yard touchdown, if not for a penalty, okay? So this is going to be a problem when the wash. this is going to be continually a problem if the Washington football team, when they go up against Josh Allen, Patrick Mahomes, and Aaron Rodgers later in the season, if they cannot stop, these zone, these missed assignments that are being missed, they will stink, okay? And I'm impressed with Taylor Heineke, but the Washington is supposed to be good on defense. They stunk last night. All right, but I will ask you this question just for the tail end of this, okay? I'll ask you this. Who's winning the NFC East this year? Or at least, excuse me. Obviously, the Cowboys are my, still my number one pick with Washington coming up in the rear, and I think I got to stay with that just because... Even if Washington has these bad games, speaking of which, their next game is against the Bills, so it's kind of funny that you brought that up. Yeah. Um, but I got to go with the Cowboys. I just see them having the better offensive, better offense with Dak Prescott at the helm. I just think that the Cowboys have to get this done. I think this is their division to lose, especially if Washington's going to play defense like that. Exactly. Cole, what do you think? As much as I hate to admit this, but I do have to agree, I am also picking the Cowboys to win the NFCs. They're coming off to the season-ending ankle injury. The offense as a whole played what we expect with a team with Amari Cooper, Ezekiel Elliott, CeeDee Lamb. Amari Cooper had two touchdowns versus the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. They did lose, but it was a close battle against the defending Super Bowl champions. Then we took a look at the rest of the division. The Giants can't win close games. The Eagles' defense is horrendous. And the football team, we talked about how their defense may be overhyped, but top three left talent wise, but the offense isn't the same firepower as the Cowboys. And this is a league when it comes to this is an offensive driven league with guys like Mahomes, Josh Allen, Cowboys are the best offense. They're going to put up the most points in the NFC East. I agree with that. I'm going to pick the Cowboys as well, but they're going to somehow disappoint just like usual. But um, I will admit, I mean, you got a football team that doesn't even have a name still. I mean, that's just ridiculous. And the Giants. Have you guys known this? Did you know, did you know they haven't won a Thursday night football game since 2016? Since 2016, they still haven't won one. So there is a black cat in that stadium, I'm going to admit. <laughs> All right, but anyway, uh, we're going to head to break. And up next, it's going to be a Lucas Legendary List. We'll be right back with you in Around the Waves. But day-to-day -day relationships aren't always like you see on TV. You can help the young people in your life work through the drama by engaging them in conversations about healthy relationships. Use Connect With Me activity cards to start discussions on this subject and other topics that matter to teens. Visit health.mo.gov connect to access these free cards and resources. A message from the Missouri Department of Health and Senior Services. This message is for all of you sitting in the passenger seat. And apologies if it gets a little uncomfortable. But how does it feel to be at the mercy of someone who thinks a random text is more important than your life? Someone who takes their eyes off the road while speeding along in a three-ton hunk of steel. Freaky, right? 
Well, why not just ask them to stop? Or better yet, volunteer to text for them. It might be a little awkward, but believe me, you'll live. Learn more at StopTextStopRex.org. Brought to you by the Ad Council and the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration. Yeah. This is the check one, two. The check three, four. Well, folks, you know what time it is. It's back and better than ever. One of our favorites on this show. It's time for Luca's legendary list, baby. Oh, I'm so excited to give this list, okay? I'm just really excited. But I'm a very I'm gonna be scrutinized. I understand that. Uh, these are these are the top five NFL teams heading into week two, even though it started last night, but neither of those teams are on the list, so it doesn't matter. All right, let's head to number five on the, on, the, on the list. Please give it to me. The Arizona Cardinals. Why? Did you see how they dismantled the Tennessee Titans this past weekend? It was such a beatdown that Derrick Henley, oh, he only averaged three yards a carry. Nevertheless, we are sleeping on the Cardinals. Kyler Murray, he is the real deal. Completed 65% of his passes last weekend with four touchdowns in the air and even one on his legs. The ability to fling the football with accuracy and velocity and find those open guys on the perimeter. You have a great offensive core. You got the you got DeAndre Hopkins, you got Christian Kirk, you got AJ Green, you got Chase Emmons in the backfield, and you got Chandler Jones rushing off the edge. He had five sacks last week, and you got JJ Watt creating havoc rushing off the edge. You got Isaiah Simmons in the secondary. You got Buda Baker. They're doing their thing. Let's go to number four on the list. Give it to me. Give it to me. New Orleans Saints. Why? Jameis Winston, he didn't turn the ball over. He found his receivers and Harrison Johnson and Marquez Callaway to move the chains. He used his legs to escape pressure and gain that yardage. And did we see that defense? Did we see how it made Aaron Rodgers look clueless out there and how it stopped the running game with an Aaron Jones. It couldn't generate a thing. That defense is no joke. You got Malcolm Jenkins. You got Demario Davis. You got Marcus Davenport. You got Marshawn Lattimore. And don't forget about Quan Alexander. They are no joke. And did we forget who Jameis Winston can be without turning the ball over, what he could do in gaining yardage, what he could do with throwing touchdowns. He is an effective passer when he is not turning the ball over. The Saints are no joke if Jameis Winston does not turn the ball over and that defense keeps it up. Let's go to number three on the list. The Rams! Why? Chicago had no answer to Matthew Stafford. He just sliced and diced that Bears defense. He did it all night. He found his receivers in Cooper Cup, Tyler Higby, Robert Woods, and Jefferson, excuse me, and those dudes. His ability to just throw that football. He is the real deal. He was held hostage in Detroit for all those years. Velocity and accuracy in his ability to make decisions with the football he has shown the football world and me that he is the real deal that he is elite he is capable of winning the super bowl he's capable of winning the nfc west and the mvp that defense is elite still despite no brandon stanley he is gone he is with the with the uh, los angeles chargers aaron donald jalen ramsey you got jordan fuller justin Hollins. he's no joke i love that guy in darius williams let's go to number two on the list the kansas city chiefs they are not number one yet patrick mahomes he put on a show in the second half Last weekend, did we see what he did to the Cleveland Browns defense after that first half? He woke up. He showed the world that he's still number one in the NFL in terms of quarterback. We saw what he's able to do with his legs. We saw what he's able to do to get receivers in involved in this game. This is why he's paid half a billion dollars. And this is why Tyreek Hill is one of the best wide receivers in the game. He had 197 receiving yards along with the touchdown. And the Browns defenders, they had no answer. They had headaches all night trying to defend him. And let's get a number one. Who else would it be but the GOAT himself in Tom Brady and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers? Yes, they beat the Dallas Cowboys by the skin of their teeth. But Tom Brady, he balled out at age, what is he, 44? I think he's 44. He passed for 379 yards, four touchdowns and two interceptions. One of those should not count because it was just a Hail Mary in the end zone. He's flinging that football still as good as he did in 2010. The best receiving core in football, and Chris Godwin, Mike Evans, Rob Gronkowski, Antonio Brown. You got Rojo and Fournette in the backfield, and that defense is no joke, even though they stunk last week. In Jason Pierre-Paul, you got Devin White, you got Shaquille Barrett, who was just paid, and those boys cannot be ignored. It is a top-ten defense, just as time is going to tell. The floor is yours. 
I like all these teams that you chose. Maybe put the Seahawks and Steelers on the list, but I can't really argue it. It's really good. Uh, I'm just going to go real quick and say some one thing about each team, and then I'll give it to Cole. Uh, for the Cardinals, obviously, like you said, Kyler Murray was just a, a, just a different kind of savage, man. And oh, him yeah. And, him and D-Hop had that connection going, and if it happens again this weekend, man, against the Vikings— I don't know, man. The Cardinals are just special. For the Saints, it, it pains me to say this, obviously, as a Packers <laughs> fan. And I am still going to hold true to this. I think the Packers are still at least top five, one of the best NFC teams in the league this show year. Show me. Yeah, we, we will have to show. Um, but, yeah, like you said, Jameis Winston, he's just a different beast. And I think the Saints, they're very happy with the decision they made to start him over Taysom Hill. And that defense, my God, that defense holds the Packers to three the whole game. That's outrageous. So I can see the Saints definitely being well, uh, being a good idea to put them on the list here. The Rams at number three, that's a tough one, but I think that they can't be 2 or 1 because obviously the Chiefs and Bucks had a better game. So Rams, ha- Rams have to be on here. Matthew Stafford, I, correct me if I'm wrong, but I thought his first pass. In the Rams jersey, it was like 60-something yards. Don't remind me. That was embarrassing. Right, yeah. Embarrassing. Yeah, because the, the Bears forgot that once a player's down, you have to touch him to get him before he goes to the end <laughs> Good <laughs> Lord, Eddie Jackson. Yeah. Uh, the Chiefs, obviously, you know, that was, a, that was a heck of a game, man. I really thought the Browns were going to pull it off. But then, I mean, and you can't even say it's Baker's fault on that interception at the no, end. No, I won't. Because he played so good. But, yeah, like you said, Patrick Mahomes, uh, what was it? I don't. He just looked like some player from Madden with the jukes he made to get into the end zone. It was Oof. outrageous. And that don't even get me started on the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. The man's 44. He said he wants to play. When he's 50, he said he still wants to the play. The man can do whatever he wants. He's just Superman. And then, obviously, you have a red zone. He's just He just goes off. He's a god in the red zone. Robert Gronkowski, man. And if that connection is going to hold true this year, the Buccaneers are going to be a very good team. Cole, what do you got to say about the list, my man? I think it's a solid list, you know, for week one. Luca, you did a nice job. Oh, thank you. Uh, But one and two, I think, is universal. Everyone can agree. Some people think the Chiefs are number one after the Browns win. And some people have the Bucks at, you know, number two after being a Cowboys team. People look at, like, the Browns are a better team than the Cowboys. But one and two is a lock. Like, it doesn't matter if you have Bucks one or the Chiefs one. Like, they're one and two until, you know, something happens. Either, like, Tom Brady retires or Patrick Mahomes. You know, I don't like to wish injuries on someone, but that's really what has to happen for the Chiefs to no longer be the second best team in the NFL at the worst. Now, I do agree with the Rams, especially as a Bears fan. Um, Saints is very interesting with Jameis Winston and the Cardinals. I do agree. I'll give a few teams mm-hmm. that I think I can sneak into Luca's legendary list of top five. Mm-hmm. I think the Chargers. Uh, I think if the Bills are able to respond in a big way after losing to the Steelers. And I like the Seahawks as well. So, yeah, I was between the Seahawks and the Cardinals. I was between them. But I did not expect for the Cardinals to destroy Tennessee the way they did. Now, the Colts are in our, they're not good. They're, I don't think they're any good, if you ask me. I knew the Seahawks were going to win that game. They look great, though, with that new offensive coordinator and the new schemes that they have in set. But, I mean, listen, I mean... Kyler Murray, I know he's a great player and all, but I did not expect that to happen. All right. Let's move on to this question. So you have some key running backs that are entering week two with some subpar performances in week one that they just want to forget it even occurred. And those running backs happen to be going with the names of Ezekiel Elliott, Aaron Jones, and especially Derrick Henry. So, Ryan, which running back will rebound from an underwhelming Week 1 performance? Good question. I think I got to go with my man Aaron Jones, and the reason I'm going with Aaron Jones is just because I know that the Packers are going to be very, very mad. It's a home game for Green Bay. It's Monday night, primetime football. I think Aaron Jones is going to have it going against that Lions defense. Uh, Don't get me wrong, though, because I think that Cowboys and Chargers game could be very special for Ezekiel Ezekiel Elliott as well, but I just think I got to give it to Aaron Jones just because they're playing probably the most... I would say, I wouldn't say easiest defense, but like a defense that Aaron Jones should be able to get around and get a, a couple of yards in this game. 
and I, I just I got to give it to Aaron Jones because I just think playing the Lions, having it be a home game and having their backs against the wall because of they played so bad, I don't think anyone's given up on them. But this is a game that they have to win. If you lose to the Lions, just I might have to move on to a different team. That would just be wow. upsetting. Wow. <laughs> Talk about a bandwagoner. All right. Anyway, um, we all know Derrick Henry does not play like that. He looked god-awful, okay? The Titans' offensive line, I don't know what happened. I know the Cardinals' defense was upgraded because they got they got J.J. Watt in addition to Chandler Jones rushing off the edge, but good Lord, did he look awful out there. And I feel like he will bounce back because that's not who Derrick Henry is. That's just not who he is because that offense, he is the focal point of Mike uh, Ver, how do you say his name? Variable, variable. I don't know how to say his name. They got a new offensive coordinator, so I forget. But he does not look like that. Okay, that's the whole purpose of that. He is the focal point of the offense, not Ryan Tannehill. It's Derrick Henry. Okay, in each of his last seven games, following those sub 100 yard performances, the next one he has run for more than 100 yards in the following contest. Now that is going to be interesting because this weekend they travel to the Hawks' nest in Seattle. That is a hard atmosphere to play in. That's not easy. And so when you go there, you're going against a defense that is average, I would say. It's not the best against the rush, but it's not the greatest, okay? Obviously, you got Jamal Adams. you got good players that could do what they got to do and all that stuff. But Derrick Henry is still elite. I don't care what anybody says. But when you go for 58 yards... An average 3.4 yards a carry, like I said. It's pretty bad. But I have optimism for Derrick Henry because guess what? The dude's a fridge, okay? The dude's able to power through defenses like there's no tomorrow, okay? He's going to be able to hold down opposing defenses like Seattle's this weekend. I'm not worried. I see him this weekend rushing for 150 yards. Cole, what do you think? Unfortunately, I have to agree with Ryan again. I am picking He's Aaron Jones to have the biggest rebound out of Aaron Jones, Zeke, and Derrick Henry. And the reason is because the Chargers have an underrated defense in Bosa. The Titans are going to Seattle, and with the fans being allowed back, it's going to be a loud environment. They're known as the 12th man in Seattle. Now let's take a look at the Lions. They have the worst NFL defense. Last year, it was career all-time bad. And... The Lions also didn't address the issue, especially on the off, on the defensive line. So the Lions don't have a loud fan base like the Seahawks, and they don't have a good defense like the Chargers. So the easy pick is Aaron Jones. All right, I guess you can argue that. I mean, listen, he looked awful. Everybody in the Packers looked awful. You know, when I saw that game, I thought it was going to be close. I really did. But it's like they didn't want to be there. I don't, I mean, listen, the Green Bay Packers need to understand something. There's only three, there's only three preseason games now. There's 17 <laughs> regular season games. So I don't know what happened there, but that was horrible. I mean, the Bears scored more points this past weekend than the, the Packers did, and they have a better offense. So if you're going to use that, I mean, sure. I mean, he can only play better. He looked god-awful last weekend. The whole team did. But... We're going to head to break, and when we get back from break, um, what are some week two notable games that you guys should be watching this weekend? We'll be right back on Around the Waves. Indoor baseball, anyone? Most party fouls are pretty dumb, but if you decide to drink and drive underage, you could lose your license and your freedom. Learn more at ultimatepartyfoul.org. Brought to you by the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration and the Ad Council. Some rope, I was a pope, pimp, do or die. Let me on some motion, might as well kill this. 
myself as a suicide. Got a dagger, let it rip. Popped up quick, so I had to double back, get him two times. I ain't new to this shit, I'm true to this shit. Every morning I wake up and throw a game. Yeah, I just wanna be the jit. Bad insta. Bunny rabbit off the rip. Bunny rabbit, Reese's lit. Mighty, mighty, know his lit. All is well in his. Honey shells in his. 50 shells in his. Never tell in his. All right, welcome back to Around the Waves on KCOU 88.1 FM, your student voice of your Missouri Tigers. Week two of the NFL season is, has kicked off last night between the Washington football team and the New York Giants. In the week one NFL games, we experienced quite some shock. That's another uh, uh, shot at Ryan here. The Green Bay Packers looking lethargic against the New Orleans Saints, which contributed to a blowout loss with the Saints, victorious 38-3. And the Las Vegas Raiders on Monday Night Football proving the doubters wrong after taking the Baltimore Baltimore Ravens to overtime and starting their season in the win column. So that's why picking games in the studio, and just in general, is such a challenge because anything can happen on a given Sunday. Well, this past Monday was too, but that's not the same. Uh, each of us will pick the big game this week too that y'all should be watching and you should tune in. Ryan, what should people be tuning into this weekend? The game I have that people should be tuning in this weekend is no other than Las Vegas Raiders and Pittsburgh Steelers. I think this would be a great game. Obviously, Steelers, this is kind of controversial, but... Uh, controversial, but yeah, <laughs> controversial. But I guess this year was pulled up an upset against the Buffalo Bills in Week One. I know it's Week One, so it's kind of tough to you know say if it's an upset or not. But I do think that the Bills are usually probably the better side in that game. Uh, but yeah, J Oh my goodness, Juju Smith. Schuster looked really good in that game. And then you just talk about the Raiders, man. Derek Carr was just. It was a special game on. Uh, Monday night, right? Monday night football. Yeah, Monday night yeah, football. Ravens yeah, Ravens and uh, uh-huh. Raiders. Yeah, because yeah. that was a crazy game. Oh, yeah, no. uh, but then, man, you talk about Darren Waller. Man, this dude is special. He had 105 yards, and with if Darren Waller plays that well again, and obviously Derek Carr throws the ball that well, I do think this game can be really close. Uh, I will say though, in Ben Roethlisberger's in the Ben Roethlisberger era against. The Raiders, he's actually only two and five against them. So I'm assuming this is my top, this is my, you know, my hot topic here, but I do think that it's going to be a close game. But give me the Steelers to edge this one out th- uh, 35 to 28. I still think it's going to be one heck of a game. Obviously, you have two teams that are 1 and 0 and respectively could p- potentially have been 0 and 1. So it's a game that someone's going to lose, obviously, and it's a game that I think on the sc- on everyone's mind to watch this game. It's going to be special, and I think David Waller even has a chance to make some history in that game. Interesting. Cole, what do you got this weekend? So week two had a lot of great games, and I could have picked a lot of good ones, but this is the game that I'm definitely going to tune in to watch, and I think a lot more people should. The Bengals traveling down to Soldier Field to play the Chicago Bears. Hmm. And know what you're thinking. Why? It's the 1-0 Bengals and the 0-1 Chicago Bears. It's not big with playoff implications, or these are the two best teams in the NFL nowhere close. But it's big because of the quarterback situation. The Bears played the Rams, who have the best defense in the league last year. Biggest threat is named Aaron Donald. And Fields overall looked solid. His first career touchdown was a rush. The O-line couldn't protect Fields, so he had to roll rush for a 15-yard rushing touchdown. And I'm going to use a direct quote from the host himself. Whenever Fields is on the field, the Bears have a spark. If we all remember the first throw in training camp, Mooney was smiling before it touched his hands. Does Dong give the offense a spark? Did you ever hear a statement like a teammate from a Dalton throw? I get it. We don't want to ruin fields and keep the narrative that Ohio State Bears quarterbacks keep going on and on. But it feels like fields is a mouse and Nagy's dangling cheese with rope attached. The mouse wants it, wasn't sure how to get it or when. <laughs> I love that. Here, I'll give you an analogy for that too. Fields is like a chess piece, except... You don't pawn with your queen. That's the thing here. So, yeah, that is actually an interesting game because I'm not sure why people are writing off the Bengals here. 
Uh, the last time I checked, Joe Burrow was playing quarterback. And the last time I checked, Joe Mixon just had a great game last weekend. So I'm not writing the Bengals off yet. And the last time I checked, too, the Bears' defense looked god-awful last weekend, particularly the secondary. So I'm going to stop all those people that believe this game is going to be in the Bears' hands, because it ain't. And before I go to my game, i got to admit here, Matt Nagy needs to stop using Justin Fields like he is Taysom Hill. He is not Taysom Hill, okay? He is the future of this franchise. That is what the deal is here. I don't know what is going on in this situation here, but there's been a lot of reports this week saying that he has lost the locker room already. It is week two we're entering here. We're already having this discussion. But nevertheless, um, the game people should be watching for me here is nothing else but Sunday night football between the Kansas City Chiefs and the Baltimore Ravens. Now, people are saying the Baltimore Ravens look like garbage. Yeah, they did look like garbage against against the Raiders last week. They did. They looked like garbage. But... That is because they lost two great pieces, their pass rushers more in particular. Matt Judon, they do not realize how big of a contribution he had on that defense. And the other guy, I know his first name was like Yannickin, Yannick, Yannick. It was his last name was something else. It started with the net. Someone can help me out here. Um, but they lost him too. And it's definitely going to have a an effect on the Ravens, which it did, as we have seen. Patrick Queen, obviously, is the linebacker. He looked really good, in my opinion. But, obviously, the Baltimore Ravens, they lost Marcus Peters for the, for the season, which he's a great piece in the secondary. He's gone, so that definitely had an effect. You lost, basically, two-thirds of your running game in J.K. Dobbins and Gus Edwards to season-ending injuries, so they're gone. And I actually got to admit, I actually liked that Williams kid, the Tyrell Williams kid. He looked good, I got to admit. But at the end of the day, the focal point of that offense is Lamar Jackson. The Ravens will go as far as Lamar Jackson takes them because that is who Lamar Jackson is. I was impressed how good he passed the football last weekend. Obviously, Sammy Watkins brings another piece to that offense. Yeah, obviously, you got DuVernay. you got a lot of good pieces on that offense, Mark Andrews, at the tight end position. But when you are talking about the Baltimore Ravens going against the Kansas City Chiefs, this is not going to be close. I'm sorry. When you have a defense like they do, the Baltimore Ravens, after giving up over 400 passing yards to Derek Carr last weekend, and you're expecting me to believe you're going to be able to contain Patrick Mahomes in some capacity? That ain't happening. That's just not happening. Let's not be ridiculous here, okay? Tyreek Hill had 197 receiving yards last weekend against the Cleveland Browns. The Browns defenders couldn't contain him. What makes anyone think the Ravens can do that? What makes them think that McCoy Hardman could be contained? What makes them think that one of the best tight ends in football and Travis Kelsey could be contained? What makes anybody think that? I know they can contain the running game and Clyde Edwards aware. I understand they could do that. But when you give up 409 passing yards with the Raiders, you ain't stopping Patrick Mahomes because this is somebody that is A, the number one quarterback in football, B, he can use his legs because he has mobility to escape the pocket and pressure and fling it on the outside, making the field one-dimensional. And obviously, you got receivers that you can find, and he can use his legs to move the chains. So this is going to be not a good game. If anybody thinks this is a good game, it's not going to be a good game. So... Baltimore, it's not going to pick off where it left off in 2020, okay? Because they stink already. So, obviously, they lost, They have a top rushing game, or running game, excuse me. But they lost those two pieces. Now you're left with Tyrell Williams and Lamar Jackson, really. It's going to be tough trying to do that. Obviously, their defense took a huge nosedive because of those lost, of those lost pass rushers. But... I like what Lamar, ja- Lamar Jackson did against the Raiders, but with that defense being that susceptible, they ain't doing nothing against Kansas City. Can I just hop in here and say something? Just two things about both of you guys' games. Uh, first off, Cole's game. Mm. 
it, it, it's going to be, I think it'll be a good game. I think it'll be a close game. The uh-huh. one thing I'm excited to see is, is that Joey, is that Joey B and Jamal Chase connection a real thing? Because in week one, Jamal Chase had 101 receiving yards, clearly showing the doubters that he can catch an NFL football. So it'll be exciting to see what happens with obviously the Justin Fields situation. Is he going to be put into the game like a chess piece against the Bengals? That game, obviously, I think it's going to be a really fun game. I'm happy Cole picked it because a lot of people are probably like, oh, really? The Bengals barely wants to watch that. But I'm telling you right now, that's going to be a close game. I think it's going to go all the way up to the finish. I think whoever has the better defense, which should be the Bears, should end up winning Oof. that game. Um, and then for your game, I really like that pick. I think this is going to be one of the best games uh, this week because you have two really good mobile quarterbacks. I would say probably two of the best mobile quarterbacks in the NFL right now. Mm-hmm. And it would just be exciting to see what that running game looks like for Baltimore because obviously Lamar Jackson can't be a quarterback and a running back like he thinks he is. And obviously you have Mahomes just throwing the ball and it could potentially be a blowout, could potentially be close, but you got to watch the game for Lamar and Patrick Mahomes. Those are two of the best mobile quarterbacks in the NFL. Well, Lamar Jackson said this last year that uh, the Kansas City Chiefs, and this was more particularly aimed at Patrick Mahomes, they are their kryptonite, if you remember that. (laughs) Uh, it's going to be even worse this year because you lost a lot of pieces on your defense. So I feel like the Chiefs, what they're going to do, because I don't know why they like doing this, but they just like doing it. They like to stink in the first half just to build up some momentum to go in the second half and show the world we are the Kansas City Chiefs. We are not the Houston Texans. So basically, that's what they're going to do, I believe. I mean, I think it's going to be a 10-point game. It won't be a blowout. It'll be a 10-point game. That's what I believe. But I'm telling you right now, if the defense plays the way they did last weekend, oh, man, this is going to be bad, especially with Tyreek Hill catching everything in sight. He's a cheetah, okay? The dude runs too fast for anybody, so... (laughs) Cole, any minute last thoughts here? Yeah, it should be very interesting to see the, you know, Chiefs racing game. You know, of course, you know, Luca, you mentioned how the Ravens kryptonite is, of course, the Chiefs. But, you know, like any streak, anything goes any given Sunday, and it just takes one game and all streaks have to come to an end at some point. All right. That's a good, that's a great way to end this show. All right. Cole, thanks for joining us today. Everyone, thanks for tuning in to Around the Waves on KCOU 88.1 FM. And we will see you next week. Black Diamond, and you're listening to KCOU 88.1 FM, Columbia.